All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. All righty, indeed. Happy Monday. It is uh, February 26th. Welcome to the program. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I appreciate it. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, the email is Pete at the thepetecallendershow.com and on Twitter at Pete Callender. And remember, you can get the podcast Right to your smartphone or tablet. Go to WBT.com or thepetecalendarshow.com, and it's super easy to subscribe. You just hit subscribe. It's free. And then it comes right to your phone or tablet. Super easy. All right, so over the weekend, uh, found out uh, that uh, former Charlotte City Councilwoman and Mayor Pro Tem Lynn Wheeler passed away. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just a couple of days prior uh, last week, she was diagnosed. Um, she then uh, turned 80, uh, like almost to the day. I'm not real clear on um, on when exactly she got the diagnosis. I had heard that she wasn't doing very well health-wise. Uh, she was diagnosed and then uh, passed away within a couple of days. Uh, so Lynn Wheeler, in case you are uh, not familiar... She was a Republican Charlotte City Council member back when Republicans actually used to hold office uh, at the city council and the county commission in Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. Um, I started as a news reporter here at WBT back in uh, 2000 or so. And uh, thanks in large part to uh, all of the other reporters leaving for uh, you know better or other opportunities, I then became... <laughs> I became a, a senior reporter um, and I started covering city council, county commission, school board meetings, state government, stuff like that. Yes, with the occasional apartment fire and uh, car accidents, you know, thrown in there just for good measure as well. But the uh, the bulk of my beat was local government. And so uh, I covered city council when Lynn Wheeler was the mayor pro tem. I was a reporter during the arena fight. Uh, which went back to, you know, 2000, 2001 timeframe and took a couple of years to actually uh, finally culminate in the building of a new arena. So for folks who aren't aware, at the time, uh, the uh, Charlotte Hornets owner, a fellow by the name of George Shin, who had brought the team to Charlotte, had gotten us an expansion franchise, uh, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, but he said that the uh, the Coliseum that was built for him and was run by the city was not adequate. Also, full disclosure, I worked for a season for the Charlotte Hornets. That would have been in 1999, uh, doing their uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame, you know, score updates from around the league. And um, so I did get a check from George Shin and then became a reporter and was covering this uh this fight between the the team and the city of Charlotte, where they the team wanted uh, a new um, arena. The problem was George Shin <clears throat> had been accused of sexually assaulting a woman 
at a drug rehab where I think he had dropped off a family member. I think his son or something was at the rehab and he met some woman there and then she accused him of sexual assault at his house. Um, so the, you know, a lot of the city leaders were not huge fans <laughs> of George Shin after that. And uh, they were not interested in building him a new arena. And there was a lot of pushback. And at the time, again, there was a sizable Republican uh, uh, makeup on the city council. It may have even been a majority. I forget. Um, because uh, you had what? Uh, well, Pat McCrory was the mayor, but you had Pat Mumford, Lynn Wheeler. Um, I think maybe John Lasseter might have been on there at some point, or maybe he came after. But you, you did, and you had some uh, district representatives as well. So there, there may have been even a majority of city council that was a re, that was a Republican. So the, a lot of Republican activists were not happy, did not want to spend this money, and then they tried to package it together with you know arts you know, for new museum and a new baseball stadium for the Charlotte Knights and to do all of these things. They put it all together in the arena bundle. It was called. And then they made George Shin pay for the, <laughs> for the referendum, which went down in flames. It lost mainly, I think predominantly because it was held in summer. It was like in June. And so the people who were most adamantly against it turned out and voted against it. And so the thing went down. George Shin then moved the team And there was a city council election. And I remember that night at uh, the Grady Cole Center in Uptown or Midtown, um, where everybody would gather back in those days, all the campaigns would gather, all the reporters would gather and the elections officials would be there and everybody would. It used to be they would produce all of the tallies there. Uh, but then it just became sort of Internet-based, and now it's no longer needed. People go to their own headquarters or, or restaurants and stuff uh, to party. But back then, it was the earliest place you could get the vote totals. And so um, I remember at the, that night, the city council race, as the, the votes are coming in, and that night, the city council members are talking about bringing the arena issue back. And the person who led that charge was Lynn Wheeler. Um, And she was successful. Now, she was trying to get Larry Bird and ML Carr, and I think Steve Belkin was part of that ownership group, and they wanted to bring a team, and they were looking at houses. Larry Bird's wife was in Tannels. And then, of course, the NBA awarded Charlotte a team but gave it to, as Keith Larson used to call uh, him, Bobcat Johnson. (laughs) Bob Johnson, the founder of BET. And that ended up being the issue that cost Lynn Wheeler her seat. She was mayor pro tem, and uh, she was the top votainer in the uh, at-large races for many years. And she ended up losing in the Republican primary because a fellow by the name of Paul Ike went down on the last day of candidate filing, realizing that there was no Republican primary to be had because there weren't enough candidates. He went down and signed up to run, did not run a campaign, and he beat her. He came in fourth, and she came in fifth or third and fourth. I forget what the exact, uh, I forget what the split was. I guess it was would have been four, and she came in fifth, and she lost. She tried to mount a comeback. Now, she had told me that she had gotten bad advice from a campaign manager who said, keep all your money, don't worry about the primary, keep all your money for the general election. And so Lynn didn't spend any money or virtually any money in her primary. But um, that was how she ended up 
uh, losing her office. Um, it was over the arena issue. Um, but she had also, I mean, she was the chair of the Economic Development Committee. She did a lot, like, you look around and a lot of the growth that Charlotte is seeing right now was because of economic development that she uh, shepherded through. Projects, uh, there was, and and some projects that she uh, voted against, like there was the big Albemarle Road rezoning at 485. And for folks who weren't around back then, this thing was brutal. Brutal. They wanted, and, and Pat McCrory, to his credit as well, they would not sign on to the massive amounts of like uh, gas stations and uh, fast food joints and stuff at every single exit along 485 because the whole point was to move traffic around the city, not to create clogged up intersections at every exit, which then would back up onto the the interstates. So that was a big fight. Um, but also, she was a huge networker. She used to and and uh, when I started this show, uh, I was originally you know doing nine to midnight. Uh, when I first uh, became a host on WBT in, uh, I guess it would have been 2010, or no, 2009, 08, 09. Yeah, I mean, I was doing fill-in work at that point, but I had transitioned over to become a host, and so I would do every other week, I'd have Lynn come in and we would do a segment that she called Word on the Street with Lynn Wheeler. And so it was all sorts of, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, rumors, scuttlebutt, all these, you know, uh, you know, movers and shakers and stuff. And this is really what she was very good at. She was a source for so many reporters as well. Um, and um, she would do these networking parties at her house, uh, uh, dinner parties and such, where she would bring together different people to, you know, to have them interact with each other. Um, she also did her halftime party, which was between halfway between Christmas and New Year's. And... She would invite all these movers and shakers to her house, and there was a sign posted on the front door that said, you know, what happens at the halftime party stays at the halftime party. In other words, nothing is on the record here. Um, and so, and, and as I attended, I think, two of them, maybe, I actually had a very nice conversation with Joel Ford. I heard him on with um, with Vince Coakley <laughs> uh, prior, and he was talking with, uh, I, I had a very nice conversation with Joel and his wife, and uh, my wife, we, and that's, you know, I think that's where we met and had this lengthy conversation. And um, you get a different perspective of people when you have uh, those types of, you know, off the record types of conversations. I thought it was, uh, they were, they were, they were good events. And I met a lot of people um, and she was uh, instrumental in networking, helping people network, especially young people, young reporters uh, that were in town trying to learn, you know, how stuff worked and who made it work. That kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm forever indebted to her for that, and I appreciate her. And uh, rest in peace, Lynn Wheeler, and uh, prayers and and uh, condolences and comfort to all of her friends and family. And uh, I do hope that the city of Charlotte, the city council, does something to honor her for her service to the city for as long as she was a uh, city council member and a mayor pro tem. So, All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials – 
camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out this uh Right up in the Charlotte Observer, I noticed the uh, the byline included Jim Morrill, who has retired from the Charlotte Observer. He now does some work for the Assembly. Um, but this is one of those things where in media, they call them obit pieces, obituary pieces, obits. And uh, you write them way before the person dies. This way... The story is written and it has some blanks and it's sort of ready to go. You just fill in the blanks when the person finally passes away. Uh, So this way the story can go up immediately. And uh, if it happens on a weekend, you know, where you don't have a lot of staff and you can't get a hold of people. So you go and you get all of these quotes and you you build the story ahead of time. Um, And so that's one of the reasons why the story was, you you know, ready to go. And it, it published very quickly. Uh, yesterday morning, she, uh, Lynn Wheeler, former Charlotte City Council member, she died Saturday. Um, they had a number of quotes. They had a quote from Pat McCrory. I heard him on this morning with Bo and Beth. Um, and Pat said that Lynn had a heart of gold for Charlotte, a passion for Charlotte, and a passion for public service. Uh, without her often behind-the-scenes leadership, Charlotte would not be the city it is today. She was a native of Richmond, Virginia. She was elected to the city council in 1989, the same year as McCrory. She went on to serve as mayor pro tem and chair of the city's economic development committee. Um, At that point, it was actually called economic development and planning, but they split the committees, uh, as I understand it, uh, years later. The, uh, by the way, that, and the uh, EDMP was, um, that was where all the developers came through, you know? And so if you were chair, well, that's why a lot of city council members wanted to be the chair of the EDMP committee, because you got access to developer funds, developer donations. You got to meet these people and fundraise off of them. Um, she went on to serve as mayor pro tem. I mentioned that she played a key role in many economic development projects, among them the decision to spend millions of dollars on an uptown arena, not long after voters had rejected the idea in a referendum. Uh, Matthew Ridenauer, who was a former county commissioner and a friend of Lynn Wheeler's, um, said she loved Charlotte through and through. Uh, she loved the city and wanted to see it become the best Charlotte uh, it could be. And I agree with that. Um, she could talk to Republicans and Democrats alike, said uh, former state legislator Joel Ford, a Democrat. She lost her reelection bid in 2003, which I was like, man, that's. It seems crazy to me that it was 20 years ago. Um, She became a political analyst for WBT Radio. Uh, uh, She did. I can confirm that. Um, And uh, she started a training ministry at Myers Park Presbyterian Church. She did some political consulting as well. As I mentioned, she would host Christmas parties and dinner parties at her uh, home. And um, a lot of people thought that the Uptown Arena uh, uh, effort cost her re-election. I am one of those people, by the way, and I've had this discussion with her numerous times over the years, um, but she always stood by the decision. She always said it was good for the city, and she doesn't regret it. She, you know, re- she didn't obviously like the fact that she lost, but she said it was the right thing to do. 
It drew two national political conventions, spurred nearby development, and brought the NBA back to Charlotte. And um, like I said, she she regretted not spending more money in that primary. That was her regret. It wasn't that she got the arena deal done. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon. On March 11th, to be exact, DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Email is pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Let's go to the phones. Here is Krista. Welcome to the show. Hi, Krista. Hi, Pete. Hey, how are you? I just wanted, I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Good. I just wanted to circle back to the time when we were voting on whether we wanted a coliseum uptown. Mm-hmm. And I, there was two components to that issue that made me vote no. Mm-hmm. The first compo- component to it was that I did not think that financially Charlotte needed to take on a large project uptown. I still don't still don't think so. And also, we all really enjoyed the Coliseum at Tybola. Right. Best games ever were played at Tybola, best concerts. Had a great time over there. Yeah, it was but also second I'm I, I was gonna say it was a bigger it was a bigger venue. That's I mean it had way more seats. The problem was it didn't have the suites. Well, it didn't. It had good parking, also. Yes, it had. Yeah, it had. And people felt safer going out there because it was just all surface parking, and you didn't get into that parking lot unless you were going to the venue. The second component to that issue was at the time, if you will recall, I think in general we were pretty disappointed about Hornets' Mm -hmm. behavior. Yes, there was Uh, not just George Shin. There were a lot of. Uh, off-the-court mm-hmm. problems for the players as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that we all really struggled with voting for a team that we did not feel like was a good example of what we think Charlotte should be. Yes. it's Those parties that we that George Shen threw were notorious. Right. We all knew about them. Right. And so, but, it, yeah, between the ownership and the players and then the product that they were putting out on the court, it wasn't – uh, it wasn't, I mean, it's better. It was better. They were winning more games back then. They are winning now, obviously. But um, but no, at the time, it wasn't what people were expecting from a team that was hitting up the taxpayers for, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, and I think really that's why we voted no. And I think, honestly, when it came back up again, we did not get a chance to vote on it a second time. If you will recall, right. it was pretty much decided for us which quite frankly left quite a bit of bitterness towards the Charlotte City Council in my mouth, yep. which has led, in my opinion, to a bigger issue with the Charlotte City Council because they truly don't care, don't seem to care or even know what we as Charlotteans want. 
And I don't think they even realize that we don't particularly want to go uptown for games and good times. I really think if they knew us and understood us, they would realize that what we really want is more out here where in the suburbs and outside of that town where we actually live, which is part of the draw to the Coliseum on Tavola. We didn't have to go uptown. Right. So I mean, part of this, though, it gets to much larger issues of growth and development, because, and it, it even traces back to the state's annexation laws uh, that were eventually undone in 2011 and 2012. But, you know, Charlotte annexed in all of these suburban areas, just gobbling them all up with involuntary annexations. Right. And they would run mm-hmm. water and sewer out there and then they would they would hook you in to the water and sewer. And then you were you were right up next to city limits. And so they would just take you over. Um, and that that fueled this growth. But um but what it also did was, it, you know, it increased the tax base, but also then put pressure on spending because you had to run, obviously, water and sewer, but police and fire and all of that um, put pressure on the school districts. And so you had the uptown core area that you had these big banks that were there and they were like, look, we need to focus, you know, the development into the uptown area. And this started the the 2020 vision plan process and and. All of that. And the focus was, yeah, put all of this stuff into Center City, put all of the transit, running it into the Center City. Of course, nobody could have predicted, you know, fast forward 20 years, COVID, work from home, and it blows up the entire, you know, home to office business model. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's one of those, it's, it's another example of sort of the, you know, government thinking that it can do a good job centrally planning stuff. Um but also remember, they threw in a whole bunch of sweeteners to try to get people to vote for that arena deal also, right? They did the uh, the Mint Museum project, the Beckler Museum, the Charlotte Knights Stadium. They threw everything into that package to try to get everybody to vote. And get this, there was a, there was another um there was another issue at the time where remember Patrick Cannon, City councilman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pat Cannon at a city council meeting said that he would essentially get the black voters not to turn out for the Chamber of Commerce for that vote if they did not agree to a living wage for Charlotte City employees or or something. And uh, that actually that laid the foundation for his eventual demise when he ran for mayor. Um and mm-hmm. the chamber convinced him uh, to run against Pat McCrory. And as soon as they got him out from the at-large races and they can get him in a one-on-one race, then they pulled back all their money and he, uh, he eventually dropped out of the race. But that was, their, that was their, uh, their punishment. Now, of course, he came back, ran again, got in and became mayor and then went to prison. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, quite a time, though. Yeah, so there, there were a lot of things. Remember, uh, and there was a big organized campaign against the arena vote too. a lot of conservative activists. Some tra- Mike Castano was a city council member, former city council member, maybe at that time he was whipping votes against it. Don Reed was against it. Um, there was a fellow named Charles held who ran a big uh, effort against it. So there was, um, there was, there was organization against the arena vote to be sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, I appreciate yeah, it's been very, Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me and talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the call. It was nice talking with you. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, there were a lot of different factors going on. A lot of pros and cons on both sides of it. Like, and I, I mean, Pat McCrory will tell you, I, I would challenge them on the arena stuff all the time. <laughs> I was always asking questions. Uh, this is Russ. Welcome to the show. Hey, Russ. 
Hey, uh, Pete, um, I was one of those that drove all the way across town on a rainy Tuesday to vote against that thing. <laughs> and we voted five to one against. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was a landslide. And they said, the heck with you, we're going to build it anyway. Right. Well, they, well, they waited until re-election. After they won re-election, then they said yeah. literally that night of the election, uh, I remember sitting there because I, I was, you know, at the table. I had, I think it was, I think it was Lynn or, yeah, it was. It was Lynn, uh, if not Lynn, then Pat Mumford. And they're literally talking about how it's not a, it's not a dead issue. And I, I became a tax exile. I took my property tax dollars and moved across the line to Union County right after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it, just, I was, I mean, let's face it. The public speaks, the people speak, and you say, oh, we're not listening to you anyway. So, yeah. pound sand. No, I mean, that was the message that was communicated. Um, you know, and they can, or, you know, they, they talked about how well it's a, you know, it was a June referendum at super low turnout, which is true. But that was by design because they thought that if they could do it in a uh, in a very low turnout environment, that that would redound to the benefit of the arena backers, right? That they could get the mm-hmm. thing through with the help of the chamber and the black churches. But then they did not count on, you know, Pat Cannon trying to leverage this opportunity. And um, and the chamber blamed Cannon for a long time. And my my last little comment on that. Do you know how many do you know how many US dollars I have spent in that uptown Coliseum uh, since they n- built it? No, I've not monitored your bank accounts. None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have yet I have yet to walk through the doors. Yeah. Well, but I will say, Russ, there was a lot of other people that have, you know. Um Well, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean but, and that's what they built. Like so they they wanted to go in a certain direction. They wanted the city to look like a thing that others in the community did not. Uh, place as much value on, and so people like yourself left, and they don't they, they don't use the things, and they've you know, and and that's all fine. We get mm-hmm. to vote with our feet, you know. We get to vote uh, yep. with our feet and move to different thank areas. You, thank you, Pete. Yes, yeah, sir. I man, appreciate it. Um, and that's the that's the nice thing about the federalist model, you know. We get to we get to uh, pick up and move to the next laboratory of democracy. Although uh, it does raise the question I've asked often. What's in it for limited government types? What's in it for Republicans? Well, those aren't really the same things anymore. But um, like, what's in it for the limited government folks to help build cities? Because the more you build the city, the more left-wing it becomes. And then you get shut out of governing that city. And then you have to leave and build another city someplace else? Is that, is that what Republicans and limited government folks and conservatives are, are destined to do all the time? To just have to keep rebuilding cities, rebuilding cities because they become too left-wing and then they get shut out of governance. These are questions I ask myself. I know they're real no, there are no real answers. A, a reminder, the coolest dog of Charlotte contest is underway. Um, go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. $10 will nominate your dog for coolest dog. Uh, basically, their votes. You know, $1 per vote. Uh, you take a picture of your dog, do a little write-up, post it up there, um, and uh, the money that is raised goes to fund child literacy programs uh, in the Charlotte area. Uh, and if your dog gets the most amount of votes, then your dog gets uh, its picture posted on a beer can. 
a limited run from Suffolk Punch Brewery in Southend. Uh, you're going to get your, your, I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. Your dog on the can of a, or on the front of a can of beer. That's pretty cool. Um, want to thank uh, also uh, some of the uh, the sponsors that have uh, made it all possible. Tyler Two Construction, Suffolk Punch Brewery, Queen City Canine. Um, and so they've already done the kickoff. It's underway. You can go to charlotte-kiwanis.org and get all of the details there and to uh, get your dog into the contest. Um, got an email here from Chip who says, Pete, would you please comment on how running for office in Charlotte has changed since Lynn Wheeler was active? I always heard that to network properly, you needed to join boards like development for several years and then run. I wonder if identity politics and party affiliation is the typical route these days. Um, yeah, I would say it has changed a lot since Lynn Wheeler ran. I would say it changed a lot. For starters, uh, if you're a Republican, chances are very slim that you will win any other race besides the uh, the district that Ed Driggs currently represents in Southeast Charlotte. Uh, Tark Bakari has a district as well. He's a Republican, but uh, he won that that seat last time and the time before by like five or six hundred votes. So very, very close races. Uh, that seat will eventually probably go to a Democrat as well. But who knows? It, it might not. We shall see. Um Back when Lynn first ran, yeah, I think you were uh, you were involved in local organizations, civic groups. I talked a lot about this last week, right? Uh, Kiwanis being an example of the civic organizations. You do a lot of this work, and you get out there, and you meet people. You're in, involved in the party and that sort of stuff. Um, but also, you know, back then, there, you know, the sort of the power brokers in the city. You know, Lynn Wheeler when she got out of city council. And out of politics, she worked as a uh, essentially as a consultant in politics, yes, but also sort of media strategies. And one of her clients was Hugh McCall. I got an interview with Hugh McCall through Lynn Wheeler. So, um, like th- these were the people that when you're running for an office, you get, you know, you, you get plugged into. So she knew these people. And, uh, I don't know if it's the same anymore because it is so controlled now by the Democrat Party. I think a lot of this stuff is just internal Democrat Party politics now. And so, yeah, I think the the method that people used to use is no longer the method that they use now. But what do I know? They they do not invite me to their Democrat Party's uh, planning and strategy sessions. So I don't really know.